This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. Axonius has crossed the chasm, the first company to solve the cybersecurity asset management problem. Gartner has recognized cyber asset attack surface management chasm as a category in their hype cycle for network security 2021 report. Axonius gives its customers a comprehensive, always up-to-date asset inventory, helps uncover security gaps, and automates as much of the manual remediation as you want. Take a look at Exonius and give your teams time back to work on the high value cyber initiatives they were trained to do. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Hacker Valley Studio podcast. This episode, Simone Canego joined us. Simone is a best-selling author. She authored the book, The Extraordinary Unordinary You, and really helps us understand what goes into making an impact. To you, making an impact may be climbing Mount Kilimanjaro like Simone did, or raising your children. Whatever the action is, the most important thing that you can do is focus on the little things, the things that you can do each day that make the most difference. During this episode, Simone breaks down exactly that, whether you're climbing a mountain or whether you're building a security team or raising your children, everything you do matters. Without further ado, let's jump into the episode. What's going on, everybody? You're in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. Always speaking and communicating with extraordinary guests. Today in the studio, we have Simone Canego. Simone is an entrepreneur a mother, and also the author of The Extraordinary Unordinary You. There's a lot more accolades that we're going to jump into during this episode. But most importantly, Simone, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here today. So there's so much that we have to unpack. We have to unpack your kids, Mount Kilimanjaro, your book. There's just so much here. But for the folks that don't know who you are just yet, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. So I am the mom of six children. We adopted our youngest three. That's always the first thing I I say is that I have six kids because that tends to catch people off guard. (laughs) 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 Always like to do that. I started my career as a CPA. I have a master's in accounting and I decided that that wasn't what I loved and I changed my mind many times. So I finally have found where my passion lies, which is public speaking and sharing stories. Really, storytelling is is what I love to do. And so that's what I do these days. I wrote a book and I love sharing stories. So I, I'd love to hear this answer. And it's such a hard an- uh, question to even ask. But what was more difficult, raising six children or climbing Mount Kilimanjaro? Raising six children. <laughs> no, no hesitation there. No hesitation there. Kilimanjaro. I, I went with 16 strangers. I didn't I didn't know anybody that was going. And the only person I had to take care of was myself. So mm. a little a little bit different, but it was amazing. You know, what's so tough about children is that each one of them is so different. You would think that 
either coming from the biological parents or even being just in the same environment, they would tend to have a lot in common. I have three daughters and each one is so different than the next. And so it's almost like you have to parent in six different ways. If you have six different kids, would you say that that's been your experience so far? Absolutely. It's it's hilarious, actually. So our oldest three are biologic. We adopted our youngest three. And when we went to bring our son from South Korea home, I thought, okay, I have three kids. I got this. I know how to do all this stuff. Oh, I was so wrong. <laughs> it was like getting on the plane. He cried for 16 out of the 18 hours and nothing I did worked. It was one of those moments, a very humbling moment where you're like, okay, take a step back. You do not know all of these things. You need to, each child, you need to learn how they work, what they need. And so that's been probably the one most interesting part of raising kids is that they are so different. And even the biological ones are completely different. No handbook, wish there would be, but it wouldn't work anyways, right? So <laughs> that's definitely true. It's it's tough. I don't have any kids. I know that Chris has three kids and many of our listeners also have kids. What are some of the things that you've learned through raising so many kids, six kids to be specific? What are some of those <laughs> things that you've learned and what's the story that you can share about a lesson? Really, patience is probably one of the biggest things. And mm. actually, I'll say two things. Patience and that they are always watching. They hear everything you say and they are like sponges. Yeah. So if we want to raise the next generation to be the good in the world, we have to model that behavior because they take on whatever you do. Which is amazing, right? I mean, they really, they really are. I had an instance with one of my daughters, and I was getting ready to go to this party, and I was complaining about my clothes being too tight and that I was, you know, uncomfortable in my skin. And I wasn't saying it to her, I was just saying it out loud. And she came up to me and she said, You have to stop. You're giving me a complex. And I was like, What are you talking about? She goes, How can you expect me to love my body when you don't even like your own? And I was like, mm. ah. So they hear everything, they see everything, and sometimes they know everything. <laughs> sometimes. They do. They, they pick up this information and they assimilate it in different ways because they have friends that they get information from, they watch TV, and they definitely listen to us. One thing that I, I have a little bit more awareness when it comes to the kids listening, my wife is very much free-flowing with her speech and things like that. And so I'm like, oh man, they're, they're picking up all this information right now. And that's why I even asked that question about what was more difficult either raising the six kids or Mount Kilimanjaro, because I already knew the answer. At least I had an idea of what your answer might be, because to be honest with you, it is like the marathon that never ends. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I callous my mind because I go from my day job and my business and, and working hard all day. And then I have to switch hats and I have to be the husband and I also have to be the father. And each kid is very different. So I have to manage different feelings. I have to manage different ways of disciplining my children. And so there's so much work that goes into it. And then I have a broad range of ages. I have 13, six and two. And so each one's like in their own stage of life. And so being able to balance all these things is difficult. And I just have three, you have six. But <laughs> it, one of the things that's so interesting about the family dynamic is that this is the really the first almost corporation or job that people and kids are working in. And then they go out into the world and they take some of that stuff with them. So one of the things that's interesting about your background is that you have three children 
that are from potentially different cultures altogether. What is it like raising that multicultural family? You know, I think it's it's similar to raising any family, right? I mean, we're family. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter where you're from, but it opens our minds more to the world. We really can, we see things differently because we've had these other experiences. They're kids, right? So they're, well, I, my oldest is 25 now, so I can't say he's a kid anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, they're typical siblings. They fight like typical siblings. They love each other when they're not there. You know how that works. But raising them is, it's been a really interesting ride over the last couple of years, kind of helping them see the world. And because they've opened my eyes up to the world so much and now helping them see, okay, this is, this is where you, all of the things that you can do with your life. And these are all of the things that you should do. And don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something. So it's, again, six kids is on certain days, it's a lot. And on other days, the house is silent. And I'm like, what is happening around here? (laughs) (laughs) Six kids. And you're also an entrepreneur. You have your own business. You've written a book. How do you manage or bring order to the chaos? I'm sure that comes into your life every Mm. now and again, raising the kid, being, you know, a wife, being an entrepreneur, being an author. How do you manage all of these projects and your time? Some days not so well. People talk a lot about balance and I'm not such a big believer in balance because I don't I don't see how it's possible that something always has to give, right? So we we just kind of do our best. So there's days where I'm really focused on work and I miss certain things in terms of kids events or you know, we order takeout or those kinds of things where I you, you just there just isn't enough time in the day, but I I do get it all done eventually, and what it's what, I think it's important for my kids to see that if you really want to do something, you can do it. So not doing something just because you have to. We have to do a lot of those things, but having them understand that taking the time to be able to raise a family, stay married for 28 years, and then have a job and other things that you want to do with your life. I think it's so important for us, again, to model for our kids and, you know, for ourselves as well. It's not just about our kids, but doing something. The reason I wrote the book, the reason I love speaking, the reason I get up on stage is because it's something for me. It's it's something that I really, I feel that it's important and sharing my messages I think is really important. And then being able to come off of a stage and say, okay, I felt really good about that. And it's like a self-care thing for me, being able to do something for me that honestly, I feel like most days it does help other people. And that's why I love it so much. So what was the catalyst for the book? And what was the most unexpected impact that you've seen from the book being out? So the catalyst for the book was I had been doing some public speaking. And again, I I struggled for years not believing in myself, not thinking that I made a difference in the world, justifying who I was. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm just Rob's wife. I'm all of these things that I was just justifying. And I started doing some volunteer work. And through that volunteer work, I was getting up on stages to share my stories, which again, at the time, I didn't realize like, oh, people will find these inspirational. I just thought, well, these are my stories. This is my life. And the more I would share my stories, more people would say to me, wow, like, have you written a book? You should write a book. And I'm like, no, 
I'm not going to write a book. I'm not a writer. Again, limiting myself. And finally, I said, why am I doing this? I would love to share my stories in a book. And so I sat down and started writing. And I said to my husband, guess what? I'm going to write a book. And he's like, yeah, okay, great. Can't wait to read it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Good job, good job. You know, be, 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 be supportive even in my you know ridiculous moments. And you know what? I think that it's the the first serious thing I've ever written, and I was really pleased by it. I think one of the probably the most proud of with the book is my youngest daughter. When I told her I was going to write a book, she's like, "Well, can you not put me in it?" I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I'm going to write about my five favorite children and not you. Good. That's that's going to go over well." And so, of course, she's in the book. And so when I got my first copy home, I saw her standing by the kitchen counter and she put it under her sweatshirt and she went upstairs. And I, I said to my husband, I'm like, oh my gosh, she just took a book. And my husband's like, oh, do you want – I was like, no, do not go talk to her. <laughs> she like snuck it up the stairs. She's let, – let's see what happens. And she FaceTimed me an hour later with tears streaming down her face saying, I didn't know these stories about Noah. I didn't know these stories about Ari. And I have to tell you, I didn't think I was going to like this and I truly love it. I'm, I'm, mm. you know, so that, that I was like, okay, I don't need any other review. So that, that moment for me was kind of like, okay, this is why we share stories. It's to positively impact other people to see how they can see the world differently. That's, that's so true. I'm, I'm curious how did you begin with the volunteer work? You were describing that you were doing some speaking voluntarily, and then it evolved into this. What was the trigger there that made you say, okay, these stories are really great? What was the audience or the listeners describing to you that that made you kind of want to take your stories to a more public audience? I think because I didn't see going back to not seeing my value for so long. And when people started saying to me, wow, these stories are really inspirational. You you changed my mind about this or, you know, again, about having a multicultural family or, you know, there's so many different things that are in my stories about being calm, about being patient. That was kind of like it put the, the idea in my mind that if people think that I am inspiring, that by writing this book, I can put it out there for other people who are struggling to believe in themselves to read this and say, okay, maybe I can do something like this or I can do one thing differently. Same thing with climbing Kilimanjaro. It was kind of like a, you know, one of those moments where if if I can do this, and I don't want to say if I can do this, anybody can do this. That's not, that's not really what I mean. But like I was a person that hadn't done, I hadn't written anything before. I hadn't climbed a mountain before, but the real test of it was believing in myself and having that mindset of that I'm not going to listen to what anybody else says. I'm going to do this for me because I believe in me. Super insightful. You know, when you talk about patience, I feel like there isn't much more conducive environments for building patience than being with kids. Uh, Because we talked about how different they can be. And obviously, you have to endure for a long period of time, most of the time 18 years, sometimes even longer. What are some of the things that you've learned through being with your children that might be useful for people out there that don't even have kids, but they lack that patience that they might need in the workplace and in society? What is that one piece of advice that you think would transfer over to those folks? 
You know, we need patience in everything that we do. I mean, we tend to forget that there's, you know, a lot of people that live in our cities <laughs> and they're attempting to do the same things, right? So it's it's made me more mindful about how I do things. So I'll give you a story about I was, you know, I'm, I'm human. I get frustrated. I It's just like anybody else. Like we have these moments, but having a moment where I'm not patient in front of my kids makes me think harder about it the next time. And really, you know, I, I become more mindful about how I do things. So we were waiting to get into the Star- Starbucks drive-thru. It was packed and I had my daughter who was 13 at the time with me. And as I'm waiting, this car jumps in front of us and goes into the line. And I literally lost it. Like every word came out of my mouth. And of course, my daughter's (laughs) looking at me with like gigantic eyes. You okay there, mom? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I mean, yes, no. She's like, okay, well, so I'm kind of thinking maybe you need to reread your own book. I think you might have forgotten a few things about patience and kindness Mm. and understanding. Hello, practice what you preach. And that was a really big moment for me for her to kind of call me out on it and say, okay, you talk about patience all the time and I know you're super patient, but here's a moment where – like a ridiculous moment where what does it matter? You're going to wait three extra minutes in the drive-thru? I literally lost it. And that moment though made me more mindful about any other experience moving forward. So when I see something happening, I try to figure out a way to, okay, how am I not going to get upset about this? I don't set myself up for failure. I'm not going to go try to wait in a line when I know I only have five minutes to get something done. So really paying attention to how we interact with other people and how we set ourselves up to for success when it comes to those ridiculous moments. And, you know, we all have them. We all have lots of them. <laughs> and it's always great when my kids call me out though. The complexity of cloud infrastructure means every organization's security challenges are unique. Whether your challenge is threat hunting, policy management, cloud workload protection, or all of the above, Uptix helps you quickly identify and eliminate observability gaps in your security program. That's Uptix. Analytics for the modern attack surface, observability for the modern defender. Check out Uptix by visiting uptix.com. That's U-P-T-Y-C-S dot com. Thank you, Uptix, for sponsoring this episode. Sounds like your kids are headed in the right direction and helping their mom out with their mental attitude or their (laughs) mindset, right? One of the things that we love to talk about on the podcast is mindset. What are some of the things that you've discovered over, you know, this journey of raising kids to writing the book? And what do you typically encourage others to think about when it comes to mindset? I've discovered a lot of things actually, but one of the things that really gets me going in the morning is I do daily affirmations. And Mm. this was something that if you would have told me 10 years ago that this is what I'd be doing, I'd be like, no way. Like I I won't need that. That that wouldn't help me. Let me tell you, it makes – a huge difference for me to start my day with some kind of positivity. And and I know there are always external factors and there is a lot of stress and especially now. But really, my kids call it mirror moments because I stand in front of the mirror and they laugh at me. But one day, I don't think they'll laugh forever. Actually, my older kids, I can see them doing stuff now and I'm like, oh, see, it works. Mm. But really, 
either it's an affirmation or it's something that I like about myself in that moment. It only has to be one little thing. I've had people ask me, well, what if there's nothing? And my response is, there's always something. Could be your eyelashes. Could be your toenails. Whatever it is, it's something that you like about yourself. And when you start with some sense of positivity, it really helps move forward, you know, so that you can do what you want to do during the day. And I've noticed that it ends up kind of stretching out to other people. I have my friends will call me Positive Patty, which makes me laugh because (laughs) same kind of thing. i full of positivity all of the time. But I do think it's important in how we interact with other people that we have that positive mindset. And beyond that, it's really about figuring out what we want to do. I think for so long, I did things that I thought I was supposed to do. And I mean, even my degree in college, I remember my dad saying to me, I was planning on being a doctor and I failed organic chemistry and then I got a D in it the second time and that kind of ruined that one. (laughs) And I remember my dad saying to me, well, you're really good at math. You should do accounting. And I said, okay, I guess. And that was how I really started down that path. And But it wasn't something that I really wanted. It wasn't something that I really loved. So really my mindset now is that if there's something that you really want, don't say that you can't do it. You know, really ask yourself if you want to do it and then put in the work behind it. It's not just about setting the goal. You got to put in the work with it as well. And to me, that positive mindset really makes a difference. And it what it's what helped me climb a mountain as a person that's never used a mummy sleeping bag and <laughs> and also write a book. So it's huge in everything that we do. You know, I need to invest more in in those positive affirmations. And on on the flip side of the positive affirmations, one of the things that I'm seeing now more and more, and it's building this thing called mom guilt. And really, it could go to any parent for all of that. It could go to men. It could go to non-binary. But mom guilt is one of the saddest things that I think I see on a, a regular basis because you see these things through social media and you see everyone so perfect. But no one's really perfect. So it's almost like you're getting these negative affirmations telling you that you're not good enough, that you're not spending enough time with your kids, that you're not giving the kids the best vacations that they can get. You're not getting the latest toys. What are some of the things that people should be cognizant of when they're looking at social media and they're seeing these perfect families? Because no one really is perfect. But with social media, people tend to show only the positive things. And that could be damaging to the psyche of the people that are looking at that stuff. Is that something that you've talked to people about or, or dealt with yourself? Yeah, I definitely think it is damaging to most people. I mean, I think that when we look at social media, we have to understand that that is a one second in time moment, right? So I can take a picture of my kids and they can all look fabulous. I actually have a picture on my social media right now. And and now that they're older, it's not as complicated, but you don't know the story behind any of the pictures that you see. I mean, there's been plenty of times where we're trying to get a family photo and nobody will look at the camera or somebody's making a nasty face or and you're kind of like, hey guys, just so you know, this is this is what's going on in the holiday card. I'm happy to send it just like this. <laughs> but when we're when we're looking at social media, it really just is a moment in time and we have no idea, you know, what's happening with that person's life or what their story is or what their struggles are because everybody struggles. There is not one person that can say that, oh, I don't have any struggles at all. So 
when we compare ourselves to what we see on social media, we're not recognizing our own value. We're just looking at the other person and saying, I wish I could be them. And no, you don't. You don't want to, you don't want to be someone else because you can only be you. So really looking at it from that perspective and that it's nice to see pictures of other people versus, oh, I wish I had that dress or I wish my family would smile for that. Mm-hmm. I try to take a different attitude and really just look at it as, as it's a moment in time. That's a great photo. That's about it. Right. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's perfect advice. And speaking of advice, Ron, my co-host here, is about to get married. And usually after marriage, that's when you start talking about building a family and having children. What is that one piece of advice that you would give to Ron right now as he's about to embark on this marathon that we call raising a family? A baby changes everything. (laughs) So, you know, it's the best six things we've done in our life is raising these children. I mean, they're, they truly have opened our eyes to the world and have brought us so much joy. Yes, there are very tough moments and that's part of life. But I think that remembering that the why, why you're doing something. And I think that that's always really, really helpful, but it is it truly is the best thing that you can do. First of all, marriage. Yes, that's a whole nother story. I've had people say to me, have you been married? I got married at 21 and we've been married for 28 years. So, which is pretty rare, actually, I guess, to, to stay married when you get married that young. But people ask, okay, so what's the, what's the secret? What's the secret to staying married? And part of it is we're best friends first. And I always laugh when I say this because this is something that I heard it was some celebrity that said it that the way that they stayed married is that neither one of them they both didn't want to get divorced at the same time. <laughs> so there were moments <laughs> where they were like, "Oh, you're driving me crazy." And the other one's like, "But I love you." So, <laughs> you know, I think it's that that thing of that you have to understand like there's always going to be bumps in the road and that's just part of life. You got to put the other person at the same place as you are. So both of you are in the equal place of when it comes to everything, especially when it comes to raising children, really, that when it's bath time, it's not mom stays home and so she does bath time. Bath time, it's it's about a gift to your kids, like how you get to spend time with them because that's what they're going to remember later on. That was a really long answer. Sorry. (laughs) No, those are perfect, especially for someone that doesn't know what it's like to be in that world of children. Just to flip it on its head, for the folks that do have children, there are people out there that probably feel like almost burdened by dealing with kids on a day-to-day basis. You've run a successful business, written a book, and climbed a mountain while having children. Is there a fuel that you get from? Is there something that people can change their view of how they're raising their kids and, and the responsibility, or even in some cases, really, it's an honor to raise children. Is there anything that people can do from a perspective standpoint to then use that to fuel some of the other things that they have in their life, whether it's a career or book, a mountain or anything else? Well, I think there's a couple of pieces to it. One is that really changing the way you see your relationship with your kids or changing the way you see yourself. So Yes, there are days that are always going to to be tough, but when you look at it and that, you know, this is 
this is a gift. It is an honor to raise my kids and I want to do the best job that I can do, even when the moments are tough, because that really shows the true character part, right? Like when you're you're really struggling with whatever situation with one of your kids. I mean, we have we have lots of struggles. We have a our 15-year-old is on the autism spectrum. Our mm. 17-year-old has dyslexia. I mean, those aren't like, but it's just kind of it's really making sure they understand that they are good people and that they are loved. And the days that are really tough for me, I figure out, okay, what do I need to do for myself right now? Let me take a moment for myself to kind of get myself back in line and remind me of what I, why I'm doing what I do. And sometimes it's sitting on the couch and having a glass of wine while watching a movie. Sometimes it's taking a walk. Sometimes it's climbing a mountain. But all of those things are are self-care and it's important to kind of take a step back with that so that we feel good about ourselves in order to be able to feel good about raising our kids. Incredible. Love all of the advice you're giving. And it definitely has given me some inspiration. Simone, thank you so much for hopping on the mics with us today. For all the folks that want to stay up to date with you, your journey, your book, and all the adventures that you go on, what are the best ways that people can do that? So you can find me on my website, simonecanego.com. And also I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. So I try to keep a pretty up-to-date blog on my website, which transfers over to LinkedIn as well. And if you read my book, I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what you think. And I'm always available to answer emails. So thank you. Excellent. Thank you. And thank you for the advice. Also, we'll be sure to drop your website, your book, and all of the other resources in the show notes for everyone to stay up to date with you and all the things that you have going on. And with that, we'll see everyone in the next episode. If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee. Thank you.